2: Welcome to our wild world. Over the years of this program, I have been diligent in highlighting the plight of one of our world's most iconic beings, the big cat, the king, the lion. With my guest, Peter Cat of LionAid.org, we previously highlighted the depth and richness of the human-lion relationship in just about every culture around the globe for at least the last 30,000 years, from lion iconography, iconography, from royalty to corporate logos to sports teams, but in just the last 50 years of the modern and industrialized us, all of this has changed. Wild lions are declining to the point that their genetic diversity is collapsing. For a variety of reasons, our failure to take action, as we have done with other species, the African lion is on the brink of extinction. The immensity of this catastrophe is simply unacceptable. To lose a lion in Africa, to fail to use all the science, data, and tools that we have at our fingertips to work out a plan to protect lions, an animal that has tied our social fabric together for millennia, would seal a disastrous blow in a long list of failures to keep natural populations of large predators alive in a human-centric world. Peter Cat joins us again today as we de- discuss just how this failure to protect lions is happening right under our noses. And in knowing that, there is the knowledge that we can do something about it. Welcome back, Peter.
3: Thank you very much, Ellie. I'm, I'm, I'm just overjoyed to be here. And And the other thing that I must say is that, you know, usually when I do radio interviews, um the The people who are interviewing me give me something like five minutes, and it's just wonderful to be able to talk for something close to an hour with you
2: It's fabulous because this is what gives our listeners an ability to really understand the issues and with lions it's i mean not only am I a leo and a lion is you know I love lions for. All the reasons that people love lions, and I feel a deep affinity for them, to be able to get into in depth with an expert such as yourself, who is on top of everything that is current, and active, in going on what's going on with lion politics. Let's call it. Um, today is is. a a fabulous experience to be able to give and enrich our listeners so we have a lot to cover today we're going to do a slightly different format we're going to just do two sections today because we have so much information so there will be one break in the middle of the show so why don't we get into it Um, when the recent news tells us that we are being inundated with african lions from all over the world except africa who have and will end up spending their lives in captivity why are we losing our wild lions in africa
3: well it's it's um it's something that that has happened all over the world hasn't it ellie i mean you know if we look at the the status of um large predators all over the world you know including wolves in in the united states including bears in in europe including um lions in 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 africa Wherever we have a conflict in terms of the species that we like to conserve, um, it's always the predators that are most targeted.
2: Absolutely. And I think,
3: and I think that um, this, this comes from, yes, of course, you know, predators are, are a big nuisance. Uh, they, they eat our livestock and they threaten our lives. And I think that one of the, the biggest problems that we have is to seek some kind of resolution where we can actually live um, with predators and um, accept the fact that predators are an incredibly important part of our biodiversity and maintaining healthy ecosystems and um, we just need to be able to be we, we just need to take a whole new look we just need to derive a whole new paradigm to be able to say look Predators are really, really important to us. They they have shaped ecosystems over the hundreds of thousands of years that that predators have been, or the millions of years that predators have been on this planet, and we can't just get rid of them because we don't particularly like what they do to our sheep or our cows and things like that
2: or and even I think our, that... our other wild species like here in the u.s it's mountain lions and desert bighorn sheep we're killing off our mountain lions to keep desert bighorn sheep so that we can kill them there's there's just yeah, a ridiculousness yeah. ellie, ellie, to this
3: ellie that that is just so so much nonsense i mean you know wolves are being killed off in in the u.s because you know the, the hunters feel that um the wolves are eating the deer that they would like to hunt. I mean, how self-centered is that?
2: Exactly. And I think that's the point of our discussion today is all of this, that the reason we're losing our lions is because we are so self-centered, um, a human-centric world. Our carnivores are the ecotechs of our, our our ecosystems. They're apex species. We need them. Um, we humans have just proven to be a, a, a failure at keeping those that uh, conflict with our needs alive and we just kill them willy-nilly so let's last week we covered a lot of the history and we got into some of the issues that are um, a part and parcel of why we're losing lions, trophy hunting, canned hunting, and we've covered that in a couple other previous issues and episodes, and we'll be covering it again. But let's start today, because you're on top of the politics of lions. So um, a lot is happening in South Africa right now. Not that it's necessarily home to the largest population of lions, but they have um, an interesting politics going on right now because they have hunting so um let's start there let's start with south africa and their proposal to delist lions from being threatened
3: yes ellie and this did not necessarily come out of left field even though um a lot of people think that um, you know all of a sudden south africa is 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 taking a a very, very bad course in terms of um, their lions. Um, south Africa has in Kruger Park, um, one of the few very large lion populations, numbering over 1,000 individuals, that are necessary for the long-term conservation of lions in on the continent.
2: On the entire and, continent of Africa, not just yeah, South Africa. Yeah, the entire
3: the entire continent of Africa, and you know while we while we might. Um, have heard that uh, maybe there's there's twenty thousand lions or, or twenty-five thousand lions left on the continent that number is derived from adding up very very small populations. Right, which and we got because, into
2: last week. So I do want exactly. our listeners to listen to last week so that they understand um the genetic diversity of these small isolated populations of lions that are essentially ghost populations. So yes. what Peter had highlighted last week was that we do have two or three large viable populations of genetic diversity of lions that we must maintain to Keep lions overall on the planet.
3: That's right. Okay. And South Africa, South Africa has one of them, and the 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 onus is on South Africa to maintain its lion populations under the best conservation management um, um, sort of ways possible. You know, South Africa has a continental responsibility, and what we see from this. Uh, proposal by South Africa that was actually put together by um, by 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 an organization that 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 I won't name, but it's U.S. based, um, to delist the lions to make them a species of least concern, and I think that that is hugely irresponsible. Because while South Africa might think that, uh, you know, they have plenty of lions and um, they have plenty of lions in a very unique situation in Africa, in in that South Africa's lions are all behind fences and uh, they're not particularly a threat to livestock and and to human populations and things like that, I think that South Africa has failed in its responsibility to think continentally and to think— in terms of a, um, a decision that influences all the other African lion, what are called African lion range states in Africa. South Africa has a, a responsibility that transcends way beyond its borders. And so therefore, this proposal that has been put forward by the, the, the South African government to downlist lions to a species of least concern is irresponsible i think it's it's surprising i think it's 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 something that um we should we should all join together in and and say this is just not right you can operate at a national level for sure i mean that is that is south africa's um that that uh, that's something that is up to them but I think if South Africa wants to think out of the box and if South Africa wants to have a, a sort of global responsibility in a sense, because, you know, we're talking about a species that is so iconic, that is so important to people all over the world, um, that they must take into consideration the responsibility that they have to preserve an iconic species.
2: Well, it also comes up with, you know, right now there is a major push, push excuse me, interesting slip of the tongue there, <laughs> um, for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife to list the African lion as threatened. So, and as other nations like Australia and um, the European Union and other nations that are getting rid of their captive lions to... Um, to to keep it threatened. So and of these other nations are banning the import of lion trophies and parts so there's an interesting conundrum we're faced with here south africa has a very large hunting industry and there is a place for hunting in conservation um I, i'll just say that right now um hunting wild lions uh disrupts and we talked about this last week disrupts lion dynamics social dynamics they're a very social group of lot uh, of cats unlike the others and um you're talking you we were talking some about in south africa how they're wobbling the numbers uh, fudging the numbers of their lion population to include these captive bred lions to bring these numbers up of their total population to yes we have enough lions to list them as a species of least concern so so i guess where my question is is while we're pushing for our u.s fish and wildlife to list them under the esa as threatened here we have a whole opposite thing that is fighting that so we're going to come to blows on that how do, how how do we deal with that
3: well i think um, you know let's 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 back up a little bit um, the the us fish and wildlife service was um, requested to List lions under the Endangered, U.S. Endangered Species Act. And, um, you know, while a lot of people might be surprised by this because African lions don't occur in, in the United States, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has, um, lots and lots of precedent to list species, um, that don't occur in the United States as, um, something of concern under the Endangered Species Act. For example, cheetahs. Um, and elephants and rhinos are all listed under the U.S. Endangered Species Act as species of various levels of concern. Right. Um, and it is, um, you know, the, the original approach was made to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to list lions um, in 2011. Can you imagine that, 2011, and here we are in 2015, and and today we're what on the 30th of April, the last day of April, and they still have not yet made a decision. Four years later, um, I think we 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 all accept that um, you know bureaucracy takes a little bit of time, but um, lions seem to take a little bit more time than any other species to be listed um, by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service.
2: Well, it highlights just how convoluted the politics are, which is uh, what absolutely. we're going to talk about today. And I do want to highlight that last week you had mentioned a very important concept, as opposed to just an endangered threatened species, which the IUCN and CITES and all of that control in terms of numbering populations and what trade can happen on endangered species Um, world heritage species as lions are so iconic throughout our history and we are at this precipice of a tipping point of losing them so we had talked a little bit about a world heritage species and you know I don't even know how we would who we would bargain with or uh, politicize with to get that happening
3: Well, that has to happen through the um, UN organization called UNESCO, the um, UN Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, Um, and they have this in hand. But, you know, uh, even there it will take years and years and years before everybody comes together and makes a decision. Um, So, you know, what we're always doing is we're thinking sort of long term. Now... That's I would hope good. we're thinking
2: long-term, but it seems like we're not.
3: <laughs> we're, we're thinking long-term in terms of getting these, these sort of resolutions passed. But, you know, the problem is that, that lions um, cannot think long-term. You know, lions are thinking what is, is, is necessary for us right now at this particular moment because tomorrow I might not be alive. And so you know you you would hope that there would be shortcuts for species that are clearly um, in in considerable danger of extinction.
2: Sort of sounds and like us people that there would be to- a fast
3: track. It sort of (laughs) sounds like
2: us people today, we're thinking very short term, what can we get out of today and to heck with tomorrow, which has always been talked about, that's how Africans think because it's, which is, I don't want to stereotype, but it sounds like the rest of the world is starting to think that way too in this over-consumptive lifestyle that we're living. So um, let's get into uh, some of the ways that this delisting proposal fails And what it fails to take into consideration is, let's say, the diseases of lion populations that are free-roaming and that do interact with people. You had said in Kruger in South Africa, they're all fenced. Elsewhere in the world, they are not.
3: Well yes uh, and 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 I think that that um the the proposal that was put forward by the South African government to justify the delisting and and you referred to this a little way, ways back is that um South Africa um says says that um, the Kruger lion population is about 1,700 lions or so, and then the the immediate areas that are bordering Kruger also fenced from from the other side, not the Kruger side, have about 300 lions, and then you have about 150 lions in the north bordering on Botswana, and then you have you know 15 lions here and 16 lions there, and add it all up together, you know you get somehow some magical number of uh, maybe 3,000 wild lions, really wild lions in South Africa.
2: And we're no. that and we're calling that viable.
3: No I I, I, think, I think that you know those numbers, um, especially in, in the Kruger Park population, which is one of the major populations in Africa, those lions were not counted since 2005. And that, you know, that's 10 years ago. Who knows what has happened in Kruger in the meantime? So how come we're not using
2: the technology that we have, drones, you know, all the technology that we're using for anti-poaching for rhino and elephant, aerial surveys, satellite surveys. We talked a little bit before that lions are difficult to count because they live under bushes half the time. You know, if anybody has a cat, they know it sleeps 16 to 24 hours a day. But how, you know, we have the ability to collar, we have the ability to GPS track, so how come we're not getting accurate counts?
3: That will remain a question, Ellie. Okay. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, boggles the mind, doesn't it? Yes. But anyway, um, coming back to Kruger, one of the biggest problems with Kruger, population of lions, is that they have lots and lots and lots of diseases. And... um, One of the, 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 you know, okay, let's talk about a disease called feline immunodeficiency virus, which is present in the lion populations in Kruger and also present in lion populations all over Africa. Um, It's an endemic disease, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem with with, um, feline immunodeficiency virus, um, which wasn't realized by people who looked at it uh, way back when, in 1998, for example, you know, there was a survey done in Serengeti National Park, and the the head researcher there, a guy by the name of Craig Packer, said that, um, "Oh, look! You know, all these lions have feline immunodeficiency virus, but they're not dropping dead like flies." Now, there's a very good reason for this. Anybody who has um, any knowledge about human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, AIDS, knows that when you get infected with HIV, you don't drop dead in, you know, within a month or within two months. No, you live for quite a long time because immunodeficiency viruses like feline immunodeficiency virus, simian immunodeficiency virus, feline immunodeficiency virus are all classified in a family of viruses called lentiviruses. Now, lenti means slow. Slow. So their action, their action on the the host, is a slow, slow, slow degradation of the immune system.
2: So, in essence, that would only take like one or two serious cascade of consequences to tumble the house of cards.
3: Well, like the, like you the know, introduction the, of
2: canine distemper into the Serengeti population that was passed through. Village exactly. dogs, hyenas exactly. eating the dogs, and then going out and feeding on a carcass that a lion would feed on. The lion would catch the canine distemper, and bam, there's video all exactly. over. Of but
3: what you're these... what you're dealing with, what you're dealing with, is a lion population across Africa that is immunocompromised. In okay. other words. Their immune system cannot deal with the challenges that are always being posed to lions. Now, you know, when I was working in Botswana, I, I, I looked at um, you know the the, the various um, blood samples that I got from lions, and if you do antibody surveys, and if you you know if you if, if you look at their in, intestinal um, um, worms and parasites, you know, lions are are just bags of of um, of Animals and, and, uh, you know, like the worms and and diseases, bacterial diseases, viral diseases that are challenging that lion every single moment of the day. And what they rely on, what these lions rely on to be able to keep alive is their immune system. And if their immune system is not functioning properly because of an an immunodeficiency virus, they are highly, highly compromised in terms of longevity, in terms of being able to reproduce, in terms of being able to hunt properly, et cetera, et cetera. Now, most humans, get this, most humans don't actually die of HIV-AIDS. They die because of secondary infections. And one of the the major secondary infections that they die from is tuberculosis everybody knows this and guess what in south africa in krüger national park we have lions that die of bovine tuberculosis because you know it's in the buffaloes and it's and it's uh, in the ecosystem and it's and,
2: transferred for, through feces
3: no 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 it's it's supposedly transferred from eating an infected buffalo
2: Okay, another study right? that we've found out that it is transferred through feces. Well, th- it, it, it in, might be, in,
3: but you know, more recent studies have shown that actually lions are now transferring it among themselves. They've, oh. they've got, they, you know, they they they, um, they, they have the, the bacteria, Mycobata- Mycobacterium bovis, and that is now being transferred among the lions themselves. So... Here we have an immunocompromised population of lions sitting in Kruger National Park that is now secondarily infected by um, bovine tuberculosis, and you know here we have a real problem. But this proposal in in South Africa to delist the lions completely ignores this. First of all, they 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 say that they don't have you know there is no worry about the number of lions, but they completely ignore the disease issue. It's a ticking clock. It's a ticking clock. Of those lions sitting there in in in, um, Kruger National Park, it's a ticking clock for lions sitting in Serengeti National Park, which, like you said, were already affected by a huge outbreak of canine distemper. It's a ticking clock for all lion populations that have so far been tested um, and shown positive for um, infection by um, the feline immunodeficiency virus. Now, what we need to do is we just need to. treat lions as an extremely fragile species you know not only are they losing territory and being trophy hunted and this and that and the other thing but everybody ignores the disease aspect everybody says oh no you know lions are strong animals they can you know they and, and and they can resist these diseases but here we have evidence here we have really clear evidence that lions are not able to resist any kind of disease that is imposed on them because of their immune system being degraded year after year after year after they're infected by feline immunodeficiency virus. It's a fascinating, fascinating disease from, you know, not from the lion's point of view, but from our point of view in terms of what actually happens to the host. And, um, you know, we'll 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 have to spend the next uh, ten hours talking about feline immunodeficiency virus, which is something that's I've I've researched for, for years and years in Botswana in, in lion populations. Well I would but love it's...
2: to you know I would love to have that <laughs> as a as a conversation in itself just because yep. there are so many um, wild populations and disease vectors that we're we're understanding. Ellie, through... Ellie
3: you know, we we do not understand wildlife diseases. We, we have absolutely no idea we, we, you know we hear from you know various people who have gone out and they've investigated wildlife disease no they haven't what they've done is they've taken some blood samples and gathered the antibodies to say that well this animal was infected with this disease and that disease Well when they took the blood sample the animal was still alive and so we have no idea how, how various diseases affect animals
2: Wow. This is, this is fascinating. This hour is going so fast. We've already covered half of our episode, and we, I feel like we've barely touched the tip of the <laughs> iceberg. So stick with us with my guest, Peter Kat with lionaid.org. You can find out a lot more information and read Peter's blog to keep up on all the current issues. And stick with us. We'll be right back.
1: W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G.
0: What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of
1: your week. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to
3: save us with new programs. And now... We have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m.
1: Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 472 5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to Wild Eyes at Wild That's W I L D I Z E at W I L D I Z E dot org. Now, back to our Wild World.
2: This is Ellie Weiss, our Wild World with Peter Cat. So once again, this is going very quickly. We have a lot of information to cover. So. Before the break, we were talking about disease and the role it plays in the wildlife population and that it's not being taken into consideration in the long-term conservation of lions in Africa. So um, trophy hunting plays a bit of part of this, and Kruger, and uh, not just Kruger, South Africa has a huge trophy hunting. We've covered that, so I don't know that... We'll get into that much more right now, but a critical point is that we were discussing was the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Endangered Species Act, and even above that is CITES, uh, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Flora and Fauna and Species, and the key word is trade, and South Africa has a lot of clout in uh, CITES and their permits. Let's talk about that a little bit.
3: Yes, exactly. I mean, in CITES it is, um, first of all, you know, people really don't understand what um, CITES stands for or means or anything like that. But basically, CITES is supposed to control the trade in endangered species of plants and, and animals. That's that's their role. And um, but what has happened over the years is that people are thinking that cites is somehow a conservation organization it is not <laughs> cites Good is point. CITES, cites is purely a trade organization and it is purely a trade or- organization in that they promote trade people really need to think about this very carefully it is an organization that promotes trade in wildlife products
2: live now, and the trade
3: dead. live and dead and, you know, boxed and packaged and, you know, dried and Food desiccated and, and, and whatever, you know, yeah. whatever, 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 right? Yep. Now, CITES um, oversees a trade in um, wild animals and plants and fish that um, is valued and in the trillions of dollars, okay? Not Billions but trillions of dollars every single year. If you add up all the value of the fish caught in the sea, if the you know, the, the, the trees cut down in forests, the wildlife that is being harvested for this, that and the other thing, the crocodile bags, the snakeskin shoes, you name it, CITES is there supposedly to regulate all this kind of stuff. And then all you now, have to
2: do is take one look at, let's say, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife um, uh, cash houses where they've intercepted all the illegal wildlife, and you'll see just how huge this number is, not only the il- just the illegal seizures. So you can imagine well, the, illegal, the immensity the, of the legal trade.
3: Yeah, the, the illegal trade is estimated at... Um, you know, and, and I don't know where these numbers really come from but, but the illegal trade is estimated at say you know 20 million billion whatever it, it's you know we're, to, it's, we're talking it's between 14
2: and 20 billion dollars a year
3: yeah it's, but they right there know, with
2: guns drugs and human in human trafficking, trafficking
3: yeah. and exactly yeah and but at the end of the day most of those billions accumulate from illegal trading of fish illegal trading of wood. Illegal trading of plants. The the actual animal trading um, is very very small compared to you know what's happening with the illegal trading of fish. But that's another matter, right? Right. But I think that uh, um, you know where CITES now has um, one hundred and eighty one members, and these are called parties <laughs> for a good reason. Um, <laughs> but. The, um, the parties are um, composed of member states, and the 181st, the last to join, is actually the European Union, because now the European U- Union is seen as a, um, a sort of economic bloc, and so therefore they will vote as a bloc, and they're the, the, the latest member to join CITES. However, what CITES relies on, is that each member state keeps accurate records of the species that they export and you know there's 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 lists un- under cites cites has an appendix 1 and that is the most endangered species in which they will not allow or Might not allow um, any kind of commercial trade.
2: Well, an elephant is Uh, Appendix One, and look at Zimbabwe and the debacle that's no, 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 no,
3: no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, CITES has has all kinds of ways of 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 manipulating, you know, their 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 categories. Elephants Uh are Appendix One in Tanzania and in Kenya and places like that, but they are Appendix Two in the southern african states
2: Oh so let's just make it even more confusing for the average yes. person to yes. understand. Okay. Okay.
3: All right. But because, you know, the Southern African states said, look, you know, whatever happens with with elephant poaching and things like that and numbers going down, we're doing well and we shouldn't be penalized and we should not, um, you know, be be stopped in trading in elephant parts. So therefore, we demand that we have to have elephants on Appendix 2. Now, Appendix 2 in CITES means that you can trade with um, an overview. And supposedly, CITES is keeping track of all these trade numbers, and I'll come back to that because that's important. And then you have um, CITES Appendix 3, which are species that um, yes, they're listed by CITES, but there's not necessarily a, a big concern about um, the trade. And then yeah. there's a huge number. There's a huge number of list of species that are obviously not listed on um, any kind of CITES appendix. And and there's 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 millions that should be, for example, you know giraffes and things like that. They're they're losing numbers all over the place. They should be listed, but they're not. Anyway, but let's come back to um, lions. Um,
2: yeah, because on as, CITES you were, as you were two. we we were discussing um, with South Africa in terms of CITES. There's this permitting process, and yeah. South Africa alone is made up of many provinces. And you were talking about regulation and data and tallying numbers, and there's a real disconnect between all these different pro- provinces, their ability to track numbers, their ability to give correct numbers, and then there's this willy-nilliness of CITES and permits. I mean, it, it's all very um, kind of willy-nilly, isn't it?
3: So to it have, is, So because to have you that know what, kind of you clout, see... You see, is, what what cites what CITES, where, where cites sort of breaks down, is that um, you know you hear supposedly you have this organization that's that's regulating you know trade in endangered species, but where cites breaks down is because they depend on accurate reporting by their members, states their their parties. So in other words, if um, South Africa wants to export, you know various categories of of CITES species, they are responsible for the reporting themselves.
2: Where does source source codes come into this, where it's attached to exports and all of that?
3: Exactly. Now let's get back to lions. South Africa um, has been exporting um, lions under a wild source code. Now, what a source code is, 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 is supposedly, you know, what these what CITES records are supposed to be able to do is to identify the level of trade in, in, in species that are either, you know, there's there's lots of crocodile farms and snake farms and all that kind of stuff, and we're supposed to be able to say, okay, well, look, that python came from a captive breeding program, and that's okay to be t- Turned into a handbag because it doesn't affect the wild populations. Same thing with South Africa. South Africa um, has a captive lion population that is now numbering between six and eight thousand individuals, and you know supposedly they're they're exporting those things to no detriment to their wild population. However, they are not. They are in 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 clear violation of their source codes the source code means that any export that South Africa you know engages in in terms of lion products has to have a clear source code did this animal originate from a captive population or did it originate from a wild animal Now, South Africa has been messing around and, you know, they're exporting wild lions, supposed wild lions left, right, and center. What this means is that there is no um, way that you can evaluate whether South Africa is actually exporting lions sustainably. In other words, are they tapping into their wild lion populations for their exports or are they usually, you know, using their their captive bred lion? Populations. Okay. This is a big, big, big problem. And, you know, CITES authorities and CITES countries are saying, hold on a second, South Africa, you have to obey the laws. The laws are set by CITES and you guys have to obey the laws in terms of your source codes. Where is this animal coming from? Where's this thing thing, you know, originating from? But and then if, again, and, and let if, me
2: let me just interject there. Then again, CITES really doesn't have any teeth. As you'd said just a bit ago, they're member nations. It's kind of voluntary. There's laws which are guidelines, but are they punishable or only punishable by, let's say, trade sanctions, which don't seem well, to do a Well, no, lot because... no,
3: no, no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You know, the the um, the European Union said to South Africa, okay, hold on a second. We don't believe you. We don't believe that all these exports that you're, you know, listing as wild actually originate from the wild. So we're banning your imports into the European Union. And um, until you satisfy us that, um, you know, you're, you're ac- accurately listing where these animals come from. Because okay. otherwise, like I said, you know, there's there's no way of of, of checking. Hold
2: the so phone. what hold the South phone. Africa did? Hold the phone one second. You just said the EU is banning the import of of lion trophies, so they have come. No, on no, board. no. Hold on a second. Hold okay. on. A second.
3: This happened. This happened in 2012. Oh, okay. Okay. They said, hold on, South Africa, you're you're not you're not you're not compliant, and so therefore they banned imports of lion products into the European Union. From 2012 to 2014. In the meantime, um, they said to South Africa, "Look, you must amend your records." So what South Africa did is, happily, they went back to their records and they sent the European Union new amended records of, you know, whether or not these lions were wild or captive bred and things like that. However, in 2012, you know, all the, the the imports the european union were still things like skins and skulls and you know whatever they weren't hunting trophies that that's a whole other matter right okay. because until now until you know this year line aid was was very successful in in convincing the european union that hunting trophies should also be considered as trade <laughs> oh hallelujah well hello you know, yes <laughs> okay. okay um and so, um, now the European Union has said, uh, right, um, look, you, you guys can trade again because you've amended all your past records, you know, to the European Union. But South Africa didn't amend their, their, their records all over the place to, for example, the United States. They didn't, they didn't lift a finger to do that because the United States didn't raise a finger in terms of objection to what South Africa was doing in importing or exporting, um, line products under some kind of illegal source code. so now what we're dealing with in South Africa is a nation that that seems to be very very pro-trade And we all know this. I mean, you know, they're trading rhinos left, right, and center, even though rhinos are being killed and poached left, right, and center. You know, they want to keep this trade going. And you mentioned earlier that CITES, you know, might not have some teeth, but nations are getting a little bit concerned because, you know, CITES can say, right, you as a nation that has not been in compliance with CITES are now going to be banned from able to export any CITES species.
2: Okay. So that's and, a big deal.
3: You know, so they, And 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 it is a big deal. You know, uh, Thailand is quivering in their boots. Um, um, other countries are, are very, very concerned that they might be stricken off the list. Some African states, I won't name them, have already been stricken off the list of CITES exporting species. So there is a there is a little bit of, of a, um, a stick behind the door. Um, but um, in terms of lion products, yeah, it's 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 still a mess in South Africa, and I don't see any. You know, South Africa has this has this sort of mindset that what they want to do is to be seen as a nation that is conserving wildlife in private hands. In other words, rhinos are being put in private hands, lions are being put in private hands. Um, You know, game ranches are opening up all over the country where, you know, wildebeest and and, and impalas and things like that are multiplying in numbers. And South Africa seems to be very proud of this because they say, look, you know, not only do we have these animals living in national parks, but we also have them living on these private reserves. It's nonsense. It's complete nonsense.
2: There is an argument that South Africa does have a large amount of wildlife. That, you know, with their hunting included and their captive lions, which are um, hunted, you know, specifically for that purpose, that they do have a lot of wildlife where, let's say, where hunting has been banned, Kenya, they're losing their wildlife. So there is something to be said about privatizing game and game ranches and privatizing.
3: There is is something to be said, Ellie, but, you know, what we need to do is we need to recognize that, once an animal gets put onto a game ranch, it is it does not qualify as a wild animal anymore.
2: Right, and that's I what mean, I was going to. you know, go, you've
3: got. That's you've where you've I was going to go. Got,
2: it was it's, you've, it becomes private property, and is um, under a whole set of different laws. So it that brings yeah, that it brings up the whole question: Do we want to? And I don't know that we can get into this. You know, industrializing a, a cousin of wildlife because now it's private property. Or if we start cloning, it's intellectual property. And that's this whole conversation, how all of this affects actual natural occurring, moving migratory wild species, wild life.
3: Exactly. I mean, we have wildlife, African wildlife, supposedly living in Texas as well.
2: Oh yes, we ranches. do. We have it living here in Colorado too. <laughs> there so, you go. Um, but it's you know, not wild. It's called
3: wildlife, but it's not wildlife. It, I call I call it, them
2: exotics. You know, yes. I I define yep. it that it's not wildlife in a zoo yep. or a sanctuary. It's it's a cousin. It's an exotic. It would never live in the wild. It would never survive yep. in the wild. So yep. um, let's. This is a really great point to bring in a, a, a nice um, differentiation that you bring up. There's that concept of sustainable use, which has always been there, I mean, way back to uh, Wilfred Beckman and a poverty of reason of thinking of the future generations, sustainable use today to protect something, a resource for future generations, Um, where we just said, well, we seem to be using it all up right now because we're only thinking about today. But you came up with a really great, uh, what I really like a better term is sustainable use. Help us understand how that differentiates from utilization, use to utilization, or utilization to use.
3: I think what what we need to understand, first of all... um, Sustainable use has been adopted by all the U.N. organizations like the Food and Agriculture Organization, by the United Nations Environment Program, by the United Nations Development Program, by lots and lots of of, uh, conservation organizations like WWF and the IUCN. They're all bought into sustainable use. Or sustained,
2: or as you said, uh, a note here. Sustained abuse. Sustained abuse, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yes. And what we're seeing more and more is that, um, first of all, nobody has defined sustainable use except for some kind of, you know, vague notion that, well, what we use today should still be available to our grandchildren in the future. Now, what has happened, and, and what I like to do is I like to, um, you know, make a, a parallel to the national debt. I mean, what we're doing in all countries these days, except for China, is borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. You know, we're not concerned about, you know, our generation. You know, we just shove the responsibility onto future generations. Well,
2: and our generation as- is already in an echo debt.
3: It it, it's it's completely you know it's 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 over the top. We can never pay it back, but you know the same thing is happening with wildlife. We are overfishing to an extent that is unbelievable. I mean, just just okay, look at look at yourselves. I mean, look at the price that you paid for a piece of fish twenty years ago versus now in the supermarket. You will see a huge rise. Look at, you know, people who who like lobsters, like me, for example. You know, you used to go out and you used to be able to buy a lobster for for hardly any kind of money, and it was a nice, big, fat one. Now you go to a lobster pound, and you get these one-pound lobsters or two-pound lobsters. I mean, it's it's nonsense. We have overfished. We have depleted our oceans. We have depleted our forests of wood. And even though they say, well, you know, this is sustainable and, and, you know, we're not doing very much about, you know, we're we're not cutting down our forests. No, we are cutting down our forests of 100-year-old trees, 200-year-old trees, and those can never be replaced no matter how fast you replant.
2: Well, this gives us an idea of why the quote-unquote cost of living is a much broader… concept than just the job and what you're making from your 9 to 5 job the cost of living on earth today with the echo debt that we just said you can never repay the overfishing the over everything the overconsumption that we're doing cost of living on earth is out of control
3: it is and and what we have what we have resorted to in in you know a, a lot of our natural resources is a concept that I would call mining Okay. Uh-huh. We we are mining our natural resources. It, yes. Okay. You know, you can, you, you have to mine coal and you have to mine gold and you have to buy diamonds, but we are mining our living natural resources at a rate that is incompatible with any kind of sustainable use. And yet we we continue to insist that sustainable use is the way that we need to, to to measure what we're doing and the impact that we're having on our wildlife populations. So how sustainable
2: use I'm sorry, how do we monitor sustainable use and turn it into and and turn it into responsible use? How do we get that concept Well I hope it's not impossible if we can you know with our listeners in this program, how do we get people to understand responsible use? It's going to require lifestyle changes and not necessarily sacrifice in a negative way. That doesn't mean we all need to go vegan or live in caves, nope. but we can nope. be responsible.
3: Nope. So, yes, we can so, be responsible. I
2: mean, we don't have all. We we have a few minutes left here, so let's let's get into what we can do, because this is this is an overwhelming amount of. Um, I'm going to say depressive information. <laughs> that it is, and and you, we're we're looking at these tipping points all over, and for to get people to have hope, to get involved to make an effort to make a change what is it we can do what what can we bring our conservations to task to do as as a population of people what can, what can we bring make them do
3: well first of all first of all i i think what what we need to do is Um, and and you mentioned that you know this is all very depressing and indeed it is that is the reality of the situation today but I would say to people you know get educated please 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 get educated in terms of you know what is happening on the world today please get educated in terms of you know when you when you look at what you're what you're buying and consuming and if you read a little label that says oh you know sustained use or environmentally friendly or um, you know this is this is something that comes from um, sustainable forests, for example, you know, question that because that is that is that is a, a you know, largely it's a spin by by various companies that want to make you feel good while you're still consuming. Oh yeah,
2: now, new we organic. Can, we we have so yeah. much. The role that PR plays in Absolutely. the destruction of our natural yeah. resources is yeah. astonishing. But I think
3: I think what what people can do is first of all get educated. Secondly, what people need to do is to realize that. Um, you know excessive consumption is bad i mean we throw out something like 30% of the food that we buy
2: i have you know, to it look all ends at the, up... yeah look at the dumpster outside of a supermarket and you exactly you, you, you know, know i mean horrified.
3: that's that's that that's good food yes it might say on the package you know there it, it's past sell by date but it's still good food you know, the, the the supermarkets need to have a, a graded category, for example, of where they say, okay, look, you know, we've had this sitting on our shelves for a couple of, of, of weeks or days, and then and, and now it's past its sell-by date. So what we do is we lower the price. We don't throw it out. Or you donate, know, that's, that's donate I, it to somebody. Donate it. Donate it to food banks. You, you know, food banks our, are springing uh, up all over the place.
2: This brings right? up a good point in, in in line with this conversation. Our laws and our policies, we have to participate in to understand... How they're diminishing us and how we can take responsibility and make this legislation, USDA, whatever the the agency is, to allow for better use, sustainable and responsible use of the resources we already have rather than just throw it away.
3: Exactly. And I think that what we, you know, um, what, 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 what I'm saying and what you're saying and, and you know, what, what people need to accept is that we need to take more individual responsibility. It is not the responsibility of the government to say, you know, that you must do this and that. And it's not the responsibility of the supermarket to say, okay, you must do this and that. We need to take some individual responsibility and, and, and become individually responsible and good people in terms of how we consume the various um, – uh, resources that are being provided by wildlife fishes and and, and trees in um, our world um you know I'm, I'm I don't even want to touch on the trophy hunters because you know <laughs> that's a whole different yeah we of fish. could go we could go into
2: that for a couple of more hours All right yeah. so which we may just have to do so I mean it's so fun to talk to you we could just um and, and engaging and uh educational just listening to you and learning from you so we've only got like a minute left here you have oh um, i know so we may just have to do another conversation um but you have coming up uh, a reply lion aid is coming up with a reply to south africa's lions uh delisting proposal so you'll be able our listeners can find that at lionaid.org and um, I know you're going to have a lot to say. I would like and urge our listeners to read Peter's blog. So once again, that's at lionaid.org. There's a ton of information there. And I guess the final thing we could talk about is, you know, we make a lot of noise and um, we're still not having quite the effect. So I think Peter just addressed individual responsibility will make an effect. Instead of just talking about it and saying how sad, oh the horror, we have to take action. So there are a number of organizations, which we won't name here, um, that are making strides. Lion Aid is certainly one of them. So what would be your, we've got literally one minute left, Peter. What would be your final takeaway here?
3: well i think I think what we need to do is you know I see it all the time and, and you know when when you bring up these important issues on on social media, for example ninety nine percent of the replies are, "Oh my God, this must stop you know how can we have possibly you know how can we possibly sanction this? how can we you know accept this but instead of uh, uh, reactive, we need to start being proactive we, not, we need to start being individually excited, involved, and educated in terms of the the um, the, the various, and, and there are many, 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 there are various issues that are involving um, our role on the planet. And our role on the planet is to basically do what, um, um, uh, you know, lots of people say, do no evil. Ah. Remember that one?
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, Hi- the Hippocratic Oath. You know, yes. it, it, we have to start... Really considering what good we yep. can do rather than exactly. sitting on the fence of is this evil or is this good, just move in the side of this will make a difference for the better. So, unfortunately, and call your congressman, and call, <laughs> write letters, sign petitions, yep. take that two seconds to click something instead of taking three minutes to say, Oh my god, this is horrible do something with that time so i'm sorry we're out of time peter you know maybe we can talk again i would love to go into this even further but that's it for today thank you peter
3: thank you ellie always a wonderful wonderful opportunity that you're giving me
2: absolutely so stick with us and tune in next week to our wild world